irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Sushi. Welcome back to another night of Max and Friends. Well, if it's your first time joining us, welcome to the show. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Tucci. Keep me in the loop and I want to be in your loop too. So hit me up and let's have a conversation there at Max Tucci, both on Instagram and Twitter. And also, if you click in my bio, the link in bio on Instagram, there you'll be able to get all of the links to a lot of things that I'm up to. So that's all new. And everything is new because it's a new Sunday here on Max and Friends. And it's a new Father's Day. So first and foremost, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. And who, however you describe yourself as a father, happy Father's Day to you at this point in life. Whoever you are in, your, in, in someone's life, happy Father's Day. Um, I always give a shout out to my father. You know, he's passed since 1987. So it's been... 30 some odd years, but the one thing I know for sure is that every time we say their name, their spirit lives on. So tonight we're gonna have a great show because it's an interesting story. You all know how much I love Colorado. And um, look, see, here's my phone ringing. And it's my sister calling because she knows that I'm on air. So hey, Nikki, I'm on the show right now, so you can tune in at latalkradio.com. But so here's the story. I was in Colorado just a couple weeks ago. I'm back in Florida. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Yes, I flew. Yes, the airlines were a little bit hectic. People are flying. People are cautious. We're moving on from fear like we talk about here because our love of life has to be greater than our fear of death. And Max and friends were here and we're talking about risk management. OK, so we're in the risk management mode and just be cautious, you know, be wise, do what's right. And if people want you to wear masks on airplanes, just do it. And like, like ease the tensions, don't fight and just have like, you're gonna get to your destination. Okay, I promise you. So I got back to Florida, I'm totally cool. Everything is great. And I'm grateful for you all tuning in here tonight on Max and Friends. Well, there's a great book that I discovered while I was in Colorado and the situation, the accident happened in Colorado. And it's a book titled Finding Theo, a father's true story of loss, courage and discovery by Timothy Krause, Tim Krause. So my guest tonight is Tim Krause, and we're gonna talk about how finding Theo restores faith in the goodness of people and something bigger than all of us. So we all have stories, we do. And as you know, Jackie Collins was a friend to Max and Friends for many years, and Jackie said, if you wanna write a book, write one page a day for a year, and you'll have your book. Speaking of books, you all know that I'm in the process of writing my book on Delmonico's Restaurant, and Get in touch with me because if there's a recipe that's inspired you from Delmonico's, be it Eggs Benedict, Lobster Newberg, uh, Wedge Salad, Baked Alaska, I mean, the list goes on of all the things that originated at Delmonico's, then slide into my DMs at Max, at, at Max Tucci and let me know what that recipe is and we might just put it in the book. Well, listen, I've got to get into this story because finding Theo is, there's an intensity to it. And when you're reading the pages, and here's what I'm gonna say before you read the book. Don't Google it. Don't look at any videos about it. Re get the book, buy the book, read the book, and go through this journey because it's intense. And I said, you know what? Let's have the author here tonight on Max and Friends on Father's Day. So welcome to the show, Tim Krause. Welcome to Max and Friends. Max, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And yes. I will just say before you get too far into it, if you write that book, I'm going to add to the advice that you're going to go through a lot of scotch. <laughs> well, let me tell you, this book that we're working on is literally, it's more, I think we're at like the 12th year now. <laughs> so it is the elephant birth. <laughs> as you know, as an author, the yeah. books are an elephant birth and they're a lot yes. harder to, yes. to, to birth than children sometimes. That's right. 
But you've had quite, speaking of children, you've had quite the experience with your son. Today's yeah. Father's Day, you know, and we're talking about fathers who have stepped up in their children's life and also who've had struggles in their life. And this was something that was least expected. So let's go back to the genesis of Finding Theo, but let's go back to a little bit of the backstory and tell us about you and your family. Yeah, well, we've, uh, I, it's, uh, it's a, a simple family story. My wife and I um, have two kids, uh, one daughter, her name is May, and my son, Theo, Theo's the oldest. Uh, he'll be, um, he's 31 this year, so uh, we've had him around a long time. And um, when they were little, you know, one of the things that we decided to do as a family was to go skiing every year. And we found ourselves every year going back, you know, usually going back to Colorado to ski, except for three or four years when we were living in Europe and uh, we would ski in Switzerland. Uh, you probably know a little bit about that mm -hmm. yourself. Um, and, you know, uh, Theo in particular just became, it became a passion of his and he switched us to snowboarding. And so uh, when it was time for him to go to college, Naturally, he uh, chose the University of, of Denver, uh, which put him nearby the mountains. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, it's very vague in terms of the amount of time he spent studying versus the amount of time he spent in the mountains. He was uh, studying nature. Come on. <laughs> he, yes, he was, <laughs> he was studying nature. Uh, but, you know, it was a place we loved. He got a passion for it. And uh, he decided to move up there after um, after college, after university, and ended up in the hospitality business. He taught uh, snowboarding, became a, a level three certified snowboard instructor uh, while he was up there. And that's kind of, you know, the backdrop uh, for how how he got there. Uh, and um, and the rest of the story is, you know, goes from that. Right. So let's take us back to September 17th. 2013. But before you do that, you know, their dates are so important in so many factors. And this one is important to you and your family because this is the day where tragedy happened. And, yep. you know, before I get into your story, years ago, my sister and I were in Greece with my mom and she fell off a horse, ruptured her spleen. And, you know, there was that kind of same um, story that you're going to share here tonight. Mm -hmm. But like we remember the dates and the times and like the essence of everything of what happened. So where were you on that that day when you September? Wow. September 17, 2013. Yeah. Where were you? I mean, you're right. I'll, I'll never I'll never forget it. I can I could draw you a picture of it and it would be pretty good, except for my uh, artistry. Uh, it's like um, it's like America thinks about before 9-11 mm -hmm. and after 9-11. You know, it's just like that. I was sitting at home on the leather couch watching TV, and I, I was watching, um, I think that night was, uh, it was America's Got Talent, so, you know, super important TV drama. Uh, <laughs> and who, who knows, you know, which, which uh, oddball performer I was watching at the moment when the phone rang um and we had a we had a house phone and it rang and i thought well you know it's nine o'clock at night i'm i'm watching tv that's usually a solicitor i'll let it go to voicemail uh so i did i did i didn't answer the phone and a few minutes later um my wife's cell phone rang and um the next thing i heard was she shouted to me from upstairs in our home tim come here Ted has been hurt. And in, the, in those days, he went by the name Ted instead of Theo. He since has changed that. Um, and that, 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 was the, that was the call from, from Theo's friend who had been on this mountain biking trip with him to tell us that uh, Theo had, had been injured uh, in a mountain biking accident. Uh, and that, Max, I kicked off, the, you know, uh, I would say that's the worst night of my life. Um, well, because he wasn't just injured. I no. mean, there was there was an intensity to the injury. So yeah. he's mountain biking on a trail, and he's catching speed. And then what happens? He's going down this. He's going down this hill, uh, not too far from Crested Butte, Colorado, with three friends. And he's just having a good time. Picks up some speed, and then just happens to be in an awkward position 
and there's an odd curve in the trail and uh, uh, he goes over a bump, the bike throws him and he shoots out head first. Um, I personally hiked back up there just to look at the scene so I could tell the story. I would say something in the order of 20 feet in the air, head first, smack into an aspen tree. Um, mm. it, he was wearing a helmet, which is probably the thing that saved his life. Uh, but the next thing he knows, um, he's um, awake and there's a guy standing over him saying, hey, man, are you OK? Um, and he's not. He can't feel himself breathing. He can't feel his arms. He can't feel his legs. Nothing. Um, and this guy um, figures that out very quickly. Um, and Theo is lying there on the ground aching and this guy races off across the trail, crosses over and uh, climbs the side of the ravine that they're in because there's no, no cell service of any kind, climbs to the top of a ravine um, trying to dial 911, finally gets a faint single signal through, uh, which kicks off a, uh, a fairly elaborate rescue operation involving four or five agencies, um, the Western Mountain Rescue Team who hiked up with a bunch of gear, uh, a helicopter crew who came in and landed on a bluff up above. This took most of the day for this rescue to occur um, before they could get him onto a gurney and up the side of that mountain and into a helicopter uh, where they flew him off to uh, Grand Junction, uh, Colorado, where uh, an emergency mm -hmm. uh, medical team was standing by. So now, before we get further into the story, so now you're at home, you and your wife, yeah. you receive this call. At this point, all you know is he's alive. Is that correct? We know he's alive. Um, we know he's hurt pretty bad um, because the friend said, you know, the, the helicopter had to pick him up. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that we know is the helicopter is en route from wherever the accident was, we haven't spoken to our son. We don't know anything other than he's hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so we spent the better part of the night thinking, okay, if it's bad, what do we do? Should we just wait? Do I get plane tickets? Um, I, I can remember sitting in my study, uh, which is upstairs in my home, um, and uh, there's a, a bathroom just next door off of the study. And I can still see my wife, Georgia, in there on the floor. She's, um, well, these many years later, it's still hard to tell because I can see mm -hmm. her. She's got her, her arms around the toilet and, and she doesn't know whether she's about to throw up or pass out because mm. concerned at that moment. Uh, yeah. and, then, and, then, and then we get the call. Yeah. You know, I feel your pain because, you know, our family went through something tragic like this with my sister when she was riding this horse and fell off and ruptured her spleen. And I was young at the time. I was like 13. And I remember my mother just like in hysteria crying. So I know exactly how you felt because I was feeling like, what what can I do, you know, right. to, to help my mother? And for you, what could you do to help your wife? So the evening progresses now, and you get a phone call from the ER surgeon, and he tells you? Yeah, Dr. Clifford calls and uh, says, I'm here with your, your son, Theo. We've, you know, we've taken a look at everything. Um, we're going to uh, take him into surgery, but he's broken his neck. And in fact, it's not only broken, it's essentially been twisted. And um, one or two millimeters, one way or another, uh, probably would have uh, probably would have killed him. Um, it's pretty bad. He doesn't have any use of his extremities, and um, he's probably never going to walk again. Uh, but we'll do our best to get him some use of his arms and legs, uh, mm. at least his hands. Um, and we'll let you know when he's out of surgery. Now, while all this is happening. You know, every person plays a key role and then ends up becoming part of the family when there's tragedy sometimes. Because I remember with my sister, the doctor at the hospital in Greece spoke English and he started surgery right away in the elevator. And to this day, like my mom and him are still in communication. So 
all of these people now are gathering around friends and strangers and what are you are you thinking do we need to go to Colorado like what are you thinking that you guys can do I to just, help your son you know we didn't know so I just started going down a almost a to-do list in a fairly mm-hmm. you know antiseptic way you might say I thought okay we I got to have plane tickets so mm-hmm. I bought plane tickets we we were in Dallas at the time. There was a direct flight to Grand Junction. I booked that. I got the rental car uh, organized. Then I canceled the rental car because one of his friends was going to pick. You know, it was all this logistical stuff. Right. That, that's all I knew to do. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know. I we didn't even know when we were coming home or if we were coming home. So we just packed some clothes. Not really knowing. And the worst part is not knowing if you're coming home with a child who is going to be alive or a child who is going to have died. I'm telling you, I, I walked around my my hundred year old house trying to figure out where I would put the ramps mm. and the uh, and the elevator in case I had to bring home a son who would never who would never walk again. Yeah, yeah. I spent a couple hours doing that. Did you ever think at any point that he wasn't going to make it? We were we. You know, doctors are are careful when they call, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which was great. And he was seemed to be straightforward, but he we didn't ask, and he never said um, how, how much danger Theo was really in. And I would say we didn't really get a sense of, and I'm kind of glad we didn't really get a sense of what that was until really until we arrived in Grand Junction the next morning. So now let's walk through. You arrive to Grand Junction, you arrive to the hospital, and what is the scenario there? We walked in um, to an ICU to uh, another site that I, I I hope no father or mother, for that matter, ever you know sees um, again. And I look. We walked in the room. It was quiet. His three friends were in there, sitting quietly. Theo was. You know, laying there in the ICU bed, uh, I've never seen so many, you know, uh, IVs and various items attached to him, um, his nose and his arms and uh, mm. to his feet and everything else. He, it just, he looked bad and he was asleep um, when we walked into the room. But, you know, there's also a sense of relief. He's, he's right there in the flesh and he's alive. Mm. Um, so... You know, these mixed feelings. Um, I walked over to his bedside and, you know, the stirring uh, woke him up. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think it's the thing that that really has impacted me long term more than anything would probably be that moment in time because, yeah, I don't know how many fathers out there listening to to the show but i mean if 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 you can imagine sitting there and this kid's now 25 years old and it's the very first time where you look down at this kid and you go i have no idea what is going to be the thing that saves my son's life because i have nothing Mm. there's nothing i can do and boy i can tell you as a father that's a low point yeah. But what gave you strength to to find out something you can do? Because there's a beautiful twist in the story, and we're going to get to it in just a moment. But when you're in that hospital room, what is giving you the strength to to be an advocate for your son? It's a hard question, I guess. It's just there's a there there's an innate sense of of um, survival is one thing that occurs, you know, with, with a parent, I think that probably happens in every, <laughs> uh, species, you know, uh, in the universe, uh, you just go into a certain mode, but, um, you know, I think that, um, for, for us, for, for my family, we, we have a, we, we have a faith and that underpins, um, mm-hmm. how we, uh, you know, view a situation, not that, you know, uh, we have a, a genie in a bottle that we're going to, you know, rub and something wonderful is going to happen. It's just, uh, a, a sense of, a sense of there's, there's, uh, there's a force in the world that cares and, mm-hmm. um, 
and you're going to figure out something. And I, I remember looking him in the eyes and I go, I feel, I don't know how this is going to ultimately turn out. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. Um, we will be here at the beginning and at the end, and I will spend every minute and every dollar or whatever it takes uh, to get mm. the best out. And now, is there a point when you leave the room and you're with just your wife and the two of you are alone? Was there ever that moment? There were many of those moments, yeah. And what was the discussion? You know, when you're uh, in a situation like that, mm -hmm. it's interesting how the roles um, mm -hmm. emerge. Um, and I, at this moment, I don't remember too much of, it was a very hazy uh, period of mm -hmm. time. I remember, I remember going out of the room and my, my wife, I was in shambles. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and here comes and, the pillar. <laughs> and, and, and my wife was like this, suddenly this other person mm -hmm. with this, uh, this level of strength that I, you know, only later kind of came to an understanding about, uh, you can read about her story and there's a lot of reasons why she took on that, that persona in that moment. But, uh, but she was the one who, who essentially said, you know what, we're this, we're going to, uh, we're going to be okay, whatever that might turn out to be. Um, was there any a moment you said faith? So I'm assuming that that you have belief in a higher source. Were you ever pissed off at, let's say, God during this? Oh my goodness, was I ever? So hmm. do I? Yeah, do I have a faith? Yes, and um, I come by it honestly. My my father was a was a Southern Baptist preacher. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have a very strong faith. <laughs> so I grew up in that tradition. Now, we like to say he wasn't the Baptists that you're thinking about. He's the other ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we, we came from a very uh, progressive uh, uh, Baptist faith. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and it's one that I respect a lot. He was, um, you know, he... he he was born into a, a Mennonite, not not the horse and buggy Mennonites, but the Mennonite, mm. a very kind of a equivalent of a Presbyterian, very conservative German Presbyterianish kind of a Mennonite family in southwestern Oklahoma, and um, you know that that um, kind of Protestant ethic, I think, um, finds its way through to the generations. Uh, the, the way that they, you know, they immigrated from Prussia in the 19th century and settled with the Russian red wheat in southwestern Oklahoma. And that took a certain faith and a certain perseverance. And I think that gets passed through generations. And mm -hmm. so I, I have a lot of respect for that. But yes, yeah, we have a, we have that faith, which um, it's hard for me to say what impact that has because I, I've kind of had it all my life. It's something that I've battled. I've never, you know, we get into this, but I've, I've, I've never until this occurred had to really wrestle with the true distinction between science and faith. You know, my, my, right. my degree, my college degrees in physics, mm -hmm. but um, outside of uh, a, a, a test that I took in uh, my senior physics class, I, I never really wrestled with the connection between faith, science, and its connection with uh, with the miracles. I, I, I remember, not to digress, but I remember I, I went to a Baptist school in, in Kansas City called William Jewell. And uh, I, as I said, I was a physics major in my senior year. I wasn't doing that well. And in quantum physics, there was a, mm -hmm. there was a final. And I... Uh, I was taking the final exam my senior year, and uh, uh, I was struggling. They give you the the beginning, and they give you the answer, and then they tell you, give us the mathematics to get us from the beginning to the answer. And I was struggling with the mathematics, and the time was running out. And uh, I got to this one point, and uh, time was out. I had this big part that I, I couldn't get. Uh, and it finally occurred to me in this big blank space. I thought, well, heck, I'm, I'm at a Baptist school, so... 
-hmm. in the blank space. I just wrote in all capital letters and then a miracle occurred. Mm. And then I put the answer to the question. <laughs> well, that should so, work. <laughs> it's so true. Well, you know, so what was the conversation you were having with God while your son was in the hospital bed? The 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 problem is how how could this possibly happen? I, I wasn't thinking about how this could happen to me, mm -hmm. but how could how could this how could it be possible for something like this to happen to one of my children? Mm. Um, because in an instant, his life is altered forever. Mm -hmm. um, and then and in an so, instant, so is yours. And mine too, mine too. Yeah. But, you know, you spend your whole life um, moving things out of the way that might harm them. And, you know, you, you do you know, you bring them up in the church, you teach them their faith. And, and mm -hmm. this is the, you know, this is what you get. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, you're very, very angry. And then, and then you're like, okay, wh what do I have to, you, you commence the bargaining. Right. The bargain, the, the deal yeah. with God, what was your yes. deal with God? But the, the deal was, well, I mean, I probably made a hundred, right? <laughs> uh, which, <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one would work, uh, right. and I was—it was an interesting parallel because I was facing some um, important career decisions at that moment in time. I was the chief marketing officer of a multinational corporation, traveling 150,000 miles a year, and I was miserable. Um, and you know, my, my deal with God was essentially, "Hey, man, I'll, I'll do anything. Yeah. I don't care what it is." Um, um, what, but in some ways you, you, you kind of come to it yourself. I decided, look, this is, this is the moment for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, this, this is the moment where I begin to think about how do I get out of this, uh, life yeah. that, that is very successful, but one that I just don't like. I was unhappy. Yeah. Well, um, what I know for yeah. sure is, is that no experience is ever wasted. And where we are right now is exactly where it's supposed to be. So you might not have had a genie in the bottle, <laughs> but you had a miracle in the bottle. And we're going to talk about it right when we come back. You're listening to Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. My guest tonight is Tim Krause. The book is Finding Theo. And Ronan, tell everybody what they're listening to. LA Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Well, if you're just joining us and you're listening to this story of what is going on, the book is called Finding Theo. My guest tonight is Tim Krause. We're talking about a story where Tim's son was injured in a bike accident and was told he would never walk again. Now, Tim, you said that there was no genie in the bottle, but there was a miracle in the bottle. So tell us about the recovery, because now all of a sudden there's God was listening <laughs> to your hundred or more bargain deals. Shockingly. I wonder which one he took. <laughs> which yeah. one did he take? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know yet. Uh, I think he's still working on me. Uh, right. So the miracle starts to unfold, though. I yeah. What here's what. So so many things happen, and I, I want to keep it concise for you. But but I. I began to notice some things. Um, I I was talking to his friends about what happened on the mountain, you know, that day, getting some detail about that. Um, and I saw the people who were coming in to uh, take care of him. And I mean, the work of the medical community there was just extraordinary, the way that they cared for him. And he himself had taken on a certain uh, control um, and command of, of the situation that was going on there in the ICU. I was like, who is this, you know, person, this man in front of me who is managing his care? And so th these are the things that I started to see at first. I just didn't understand at all. Uh, and then, and then I remember the day, the day his, his big toe moved. Um, it, it was. What did you call the miracle toe? It's called the miracle toe, yeah, yeah, because it was the first thing that that moved, um, and uh, it was the, I think it would have been the third day, something like that, I, it, something about like that, 
and the doctor came in and the doctor Clifford, the surgeon came in and uh, took Theo through some paces of seeing how much, if any feeling was coming back. The one thing that happened was he looked down the bed at his toe and he moved his big toe. Mm. Um, and Theo confided me that that was big for him because he says, you know, I thought if I can move my big toe, then I can move whatever's between my brain and my big toe ultimately. Mm. So they gave him, gave him some incentive. It the shifted the paradigm, right? I mean, that's a big shift was, in the paradigm. <laughs> and the doctor was over the moon. He couldn't believe it, Dr. Clifford. And, you know, this doctor, this guy's a Yale-trained um, um, surgeon, spinal surgeon. Um, he's living in Colorado. You know, uh, how in the world did I get um, a Yale-trained neurosurgeon working on my kid by a random case in the middle of the night in Grand Junction, Colorado. Yeah. Um, it's a divine well, intervention because my mom says the same question all the time with how do we find this Greek doctor in yeah. some island in Greece who studied in Chicago and speaks American? Right. You know, right. it's like, how does this right. happen? Divine yeah. intervention. <laughs> yeah. And I later learned from Dr. Clifford, he says, well, I was on call that night and, um, I looked at the docket as who would be supporting me. And he said, I had um, my A-team um, support staff that was going to be with me uh, that night when Theo came in on, on, on the helicopter. Now, Dr. Clifford is also a man of faith. And he would tell you if you were to talk to him today that that experience of treating my son Theo changed his life dramatically. That he has never treated a patient the same way since his experience with Theo. Wow. And the book we're talking about is Finding Theo. There's a chapter that you did call The Miracle Toe. So how did that experience affect your sense of miracles? So I, as I you know, said in my little uh, physics story, I just really hadn't thought much about miracles. Um, yeah. Obviously grew up in the church, read about them all in the Bible, the feeding of the 5,000 and uh, water to wine and you name it. And those were all wonderful things. And I didn't not believe in miracles, uh, I wouldn't mm. say, but, but, but to begin to see one unfold uh, directly in front of you um, forces you to really rethink the Bible stories you were taught mm -hmm. as a child. And, yeah, and, because it goes from reading them to now experiencing them, right? So now right. you're like experiencing this miracle and witnessing this miracle. And, and what's the cause of it, right? How does it— right. How does that actually happen? Yeah. So, so I, that probably was the question in my mind. You know, I, I had asked myself, what's going to save my son? And then I start to see these things happen. And um, I started to pay attention because um, mm -hmm. I wanted to know, for lack of a better way of putting it, what's the anatomy of a miracle? Because I can see one starting to unfold on me right here mm -hmm. before my eyes. Yeah. And, wow. uh, and then and then things began to happen even faster from there. He began to move um, more uh, parts of his body. Um, uh, he started to be able to raise the leg that the miracle toe was on. Um, and uh, he's one of his arms began to function. Still no use of his hands. And he still obviously absolutely couldn't walk. There was just some mm -hmm. movement. Uh, uh, but things started to happen very fast from there, uh, as we just sat there and watched this thing unfold together with the uh, medical community. And, you know, it sounds like it's happening quickly, but this is actually weeks or months or how, what is this time oh, frame that yeah, we're looking at? It's months. He's 14 days just in the ICU. Wow. Um, and Did uh, any, was there any point where you thought, my son is going to die, or was there that shift where you're like, okay, we've got this? So I would say neither one. Okay. We never let ourselves, later we learned that we probably should have wondered if this is where we were going to lose him. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some bouts with uh, medication that went badly, mm -hmm. um, caused hallucinations, uh, those kinds of things. In the early days, uh, mm -hmm. I would say, we never, but in terms of we've got this, yeah, I, 
I wasn't convinced. Um, I was pretty certain he was never going to walk again. Wow. Okay. So now all this experience happens and I really want people to read the book. So you have to read the book, Finding Theo. My guest tonight is Tim Krause. So Tim, you go through this horrific experience. You'll never forget that night when you got the call. Mm-hmm. You'll probably never forget the flight there too, because it probably seemed like the longest flight in the entire world. It was the longest <laughs> flight. I mean, I'm telling right? you, I've, I've done the nonstop from Dallas yeah. to Sydney, to Sydney, Australia. This is longer. Yeah, than yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And so, in this illusion of time, now all of a sudden you're presented with your son, whom head on with a tree was told he wasn't going to be able to walk again. Miracles start unfolding. And now you're inspired to write a book, Finding Theo. What inspired you to write the book? Um, people people, people sort of just wore me down uh, is what happened. <laughs> because, <laughs> because from the very first day, I, I had been writing updates to friends and colleagues around the world. And they, they began to pull on me and say, well, tell us what's next, what's next, what's next. And so every day I wrote this thing and I began to be very – careful about my writing because I was, turns out I was also using it to sort of process this question about miracles and what was happening to my son and why. Um, and so I had these, I had written all of these things and I, and, um, we went through some, some very dark times where, um, even, even when, um, 12 weeks after, uh, his time in the Craig rehabilitation hospital, the kid walked out of the hospital the way he <laughs> wanted to. Uh, much to the dismay, I'm telling you, of every medical opinion in the place. Um, you know, we're we're away from that. He's not a hundred percent. He goes through a very dark time, um, questioning whether he wanted to continue to live. He has a very serious conversation with the idea of suicide ultimately rejecting it. Um, and you, you, of course you can read all about that too. Um, I, at the end of all of that, I'm also working on what's my next move because I watched the way he behaves through this thing. And I think, you know, I, I can do better in life. Uh, and I, I began to engineer my way out of the big corporation, uh, mm-hmm. what I could do next. And an opportunity came for me to, for me to exit the company uh, and I had lunch with a mentor who was the chief technical officer of AT&T at the time. And he says, Tim, you, you, you've got to write this story. Mm. Um, and so, and so I just, to, to the, the advice you got about a page a day, I just started writing some things down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once I started doing that, I began to think more about what the meaning was and what happened was I heard the stories of the people that helped Theo. And mm-hmm. I thought, holy cow. And I so I asked Theo, I said, Theo, can I have your permission to write this story about you? And he says, well, I don't want you to write a hero story about me. Mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, what if, we, what if we write a story that thanks the people who helped us along the way? He says, yeah, I, I like that idea. So I started to interview people and I talked to the guy who found him. On, I found the guy who found him on the mountain and made the 911 call. Mm-hmm. I found the head of the rescue operation that hiked up the mountain. I found mm-hmm. the helicopter pilot for the paramedic team. Uh, I talked to Dr. Clifford, the surgeon, to Maggie Ireland, the physical therapist, and all of these people in my gosh, Max, the, the stories that came out of these people about how they found each found their own way in their lives and what brought them to the moment in time where they were doing the thing that they did best. A mm. moment my son needed it the most. These were just extraordinary stories. And that became my passion was to tell their stories and how and how that is the way miracles happen. It's the way the mm-hmm. world was made to work. Uh, so yeah. that's that's why I I became preoccupied with it, uh, quit my job at the big company, and mm-hmm. full-time writing the story. 
You know, my grandmother always used to tell me that when we plan, God laughs. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's just, you know, again, that no experience is ever wasted. All of a sudden, your whole family now has a whole new family with all of these individuals who came to the rescue. Are you all in contact with them still to today? I actually still am in contact with a few of them. Once in a while, I reach out to the uh, to the helicopter pilot um, who uh, nearly lost his life in a helicopter crash, and that's what made him want to do what he does. I keep in touch with Dr. Clifford. I keep in touch with uh, Maggie Ireland, the physical therapist, who mm-hmm. was a physical therapist because her brother, Patrick, was injured uh, in the Columbine shooting. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what made her want to be a physical therapist. I, so there's a half a dozen of them or so that occasionally I keep up with and have an exchange about how, you know, how it's going with Theo and with our family. And I just thank them. I said, we're never going to forget, you know, what you did for us. So how is it going with you and your family and Theo? Well, it's going, uh, it's going extremely well. Um, we, we, you know, grief is a funny thing. And something like this is you lose something, you grieve. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it comes back and it's still hard to talk about, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, but we, we more and more see, um, what has happened that is good as a result of it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been extremely good for me personally. Um, Mm -hmm. it just has changed the way I think about life. Theo is the kind of person um, he would never have been. He's not 100% physically. Um, mm-hmm. He still struggles with the use of his left hand, and he has he, he can't f- feel you know one entire leg. There's no feeling of hot and cold. He's wired like a Russian Yugo automobile. <laughs> it's it's you know now, but but he 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 couldn't join us here on this call today because he's hiking in the in the in the Shenandoah National Forest. And he's in the middle of training to run the uh, Philadelphia Marathon in November. Wow. This is a kid That's who was amazing. never going to walk again. He was never right. going to walk again. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the book is called Finding Theo. Why Finding Theo? Finding Theo uh, is a title that has a lot of meanings uh, for me because Theo, of course, is our son's name, Theodore, uh, which is uh, uh, the, Greek, the original Greek would be a gift of God. And um, so it has a certain meaning in that way. Finding Theo is also about finding God. And so in, in many dimensions, finding Theo is a title that says we each need to find our way in life. The thing that we were made to do, the thing that we cannot help not do. The thing that we best that the world needs most from us. And if you do that, you will find yourself in a situation at some time where the thing you do best is the thing the world needs most from you. And if mm. you tension and, and do something, then something extraordinary will happen. And enough people do that. And this is the way the world was made to work. You don't even have to buy into the theory. But if enough people are doing that, as happened to my son on that day in September, something really extraordinary will happen. And, and it's the thing that I would call a miracle. Absolutely. And the togetherness. I always say together we rise. And with the community that's on that same vibration of miracles, only miracles can happen. So what is it that you want people to take from the book, Finding Theo? Here's, here's I've had a chance to think about that for the years that it took me to write it. And for the years, the couple of years now since I wrote the last words of it, I'm, I could, I'm not sure I could say, Max, that I, that my takeaway I would give to a reader today is exactly the same as before. But I tell this to um, we are uh, strong supporters of a nonprofit here in Dallas called Our Friends Place, which is a uh, essentially a place for for girls who have been abused or neglected to go when they've aged out of the juvenile system, but they're not ready to be out in life on their own. So the purpose is to break the cycle of poverty and abuse Mm -hmm. uh, in our community. And I tell them, here's, here's what I've learned from my son's story that I would love you to take away. Number one, don't accept what someone else tells you is 
your vision for your life. Mm. Don't box you in. Have your own vision about where you see yourself and what your life should be. Don't let them tell you what it's going to be. And Theo told Dr. Clifford that night when he said, told him he was never going to walk again, he says, I'm, I'm going to choose a different outcome for myself. And he didn't know if he was going to achieve that. He just was going to choose a different vision. And then secondly, uh, when he was in the Craig hospital and he didn't see the, the, the activity moving as fast as he wanted, he told me one day, he said, I decided no one else was as accountable for my outcome as me. So from that day on, I took control of everything that I was going to do. So I tell these girls, have a vision for yourself, but you're accountable for um, achieving that vision for yourself. So you need to take accountability for that and don't blame someone else for it. You need to get to work achieving your, your vision. And then, and then in the end, when he was considering suicide and he finally said, you know, my decision was I, I'm, I decided I wanted to live. Uh, and, and if I was going to live, I was going to have to get busy doing something important. And so I tell them, find a vision, make it yours, set about to achieve it. And then in the end, do something, Mm. find that thing that, uh, you were meant to be. Wow. Well, Tim, I appreciate you so much for coming on Max and Friends tonight, sharing your story. And listen, everyone, if you're looking for a book to read, Finding Theo, if you're just looking for an inspirational story of hope, this is that story, listeners, tonight. So go get the book because I promise you it's one that you will want to read. And let me just tell you all right now, if you have experienced loss or the parent of someone who has experienced loss and you're struggling to find your way through, this book is for you. Tim Krause, thank you so much for being on Max and Friends tonight. Your story, your son's story is an inspiration. And I'm thankful for your story on Father's Day because it's an inspiration. It's a miracle. And miracles do happen, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, Max. And thank you very much. And thank you also for what you're doing on Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. We have Together We Rise. So we share the story. We put the energy out there. And I love that you're telling people consciously create your reality because that's what we do here on Max and Friends every Sunday night on LA Talk Radio. Tim, it's a pleasure having you and we will catch up. And I hope one day we can have Theo on the show. Uh, Absolutely. Let's do it. Right. We'll make it happen. All right, my friend. And how can people find you on Instagram? Uh, You can find me on Instagram somehow. (laughs) I'll put it in. Follow me at Max Tucci and we'll tell you how. How's that? Timothy D. Krause. You can find me on Instagram by going first to uh, FindingTheo.com. And there's a link to my Instagram right there. Yeah. There we go. FindingTheo.com. Buy the book. Tim, thanks so much for being here tonight and have a great night and a great rest of your week. And say hi to Theo. I will do. Thanks, Max. All right. Have a beautiful night. All right, you guys, we got to wrap this show up. That's why I'm kind of hurrying this up because I could just stay in this conversation because when there's inspiration, I just love it. And when there's miracles, you know, I believe in miracles and I do. And, you know, it is true. We do have the the capability to create our own reality. I talk about it often and I really want you to dream big this week, dream bigger. I know it seems like we're in a weird place in time, but just kind of cancel that energy and really go into who you are and what your purpose is this week and let your passion be your purpose. I'm gonna play a song here for my father tonight because it's one thing that I wish my mother and father can do and one thing I wish I could do. And that's Dance With My Father Again by Samantha Harvey. Until next time, I love you all for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Max Tucci. Have a good night, good night and good karma and take life to the max. And right now, Samantha Harvey, Dance With My Father Again. Follow her at Samantha Harvey, Sam Harvey UK, Dance With My Father.
stairs he would carry me And I knew for sure I was alone If I could get another chance Another walk, another dance with him I'd play a song that would never ever end How I'd love, love, love To dance with my father Finally made me do just what my mama said Later that night when I was asleep He left a dollar under my sheet Never dreamed that he would be gone from me If I could steal one final glance One final step I know 